0: Welcome back to Thrive. In today's episode, I'm having a conversation with my friend, Beth Gettio, a group fitness instructor, full-time sales professional in the design industry, and an avid live event attendee who can now add live event organizer to her own resume too. Beth and I were connected through the grapevine for about a decade since I actually went to high school with her sister. But we reconnected just recently when Beth was preparing for her first big live personal development event called Be Great. We share a mutual passion for helping people become the best versions of themselves, so I know you will love, love, love Beth as much as I do. I am so excited to have Beth here today on Thrive, so be sure to stay tuned through this episode, drop us your thoughts on social media, and without further ado, welcome Beth.
1: I am so excited to be here myself, um, and I was—I swore up and down that I wasn't going to say thank you for having me on this podcast because I feel like every guest starts with "Oh, thank you so much for being on <laughs> this podcast," but—but um, I mean, I guess that's why everybody says it because, like, once you're actually here and you realize that like someone is inviting you into their space and onto their show to share your story. Um, it's something that you want to say thank you for. So, uh, so thank you, Erica, for giving me the chance to um, talk to you and, you know, all of your listeners um, about and share my story. I can't wait. Of
0: course. Of course. So, I mean, that also segues into, I owed you thanks because you had me at your Be Great event. So before I, we're definitely going to dive so far into the Be Great event's Um, rabbit hole here. But before diving into all things be great, since that's how you and I got connected in the first place, can you give us the lowdown on your background beyond B? So maybe what else you do and have done professionally, but maybe a little bit about you personally too.
1: Yeah, great. I'm happy to share. Um, So I've been on this fiery mission, I'll call it, to help women feel better about themselves. Um, and I feel like that sounds super simple, um, but it's really just, that's my mission. Um, whether it's, I don't want to say I say things positively, I don't, you know, I don't, it's literally just like however women feel better. So um, as you kind of alluded to, I am a fitness professional. Um, I also, throughout my social media platform, um, I'll post things that are truly authentic, raw, probably things that a lot of people don't care about, but um, we'll get into my history and my story a little bit later, Um, but that's just kind of been my mission is to do things in a way that just make people feel or allow people and hopefully make them feel better. Um, So all of that um, is all on the side. That is a part of my side gig. Um, and what you also mentioned, I do have a professional full-time job. Um, and I used to call it my real job. Um, (laughs) but I realized, um, that all of these things that I'm doing on the side were also very, very real. Um, and they were allowing me to feel a lot more impactful, um, than sometimes my full-time corporate job. So Um, I stopped tying my identity to that full-time job. I stopped calling it my real job. Um, It's still very much important to my lifestyle as it takes up more than 40 hours of my week um, and also provides my lifestyle and my living. Um, But I just realized that if I was going to do something, um, you know, that I have like dreamed about and journaled about and stuff like that, I really needed to stop tying my identity to that. So my full-time job, not my real job. <laughs> um, I am in the corporate real estate space. So I work with interior designers and I help them find furniture solutions within corporate. So if anyone is listening to this, sitting in a cubicle or a task chair, um, hopefully you like it if it's mine, um, but basically <laughs> it has the potential to be mine um, as well as you know, cool offices like Google. Um, and you know, Comcast more locally, stuff like that. So, um, all of those different office spaces are things that I have helped interior designers fit out, um, and provide the furniture for that. So. Yeah. Love
0: yeah, that. So Cynthia, I love how you just mentioned too that it's your full-time professional job but not your real job because that's so true. Your dreams and your side gigs are very much real and I can speak to that because I attended your very real, very awesome Be Great event. So tell us what is Be, this awesome thing that you've created and what is the whole premise behind Be Great event.
1: Yeah. Um, so B is a live event right now. Um, so basically be great events. I'm going to start there. Cause that's kind of how it evolved. Sure. Um, when I really stepped into this space of wanting to, you know, like help people feel better and like that kind of thing, I was very new into this positivity space. Um, and my initials are B E G. So as I'm trying, you know, like while I'm a designer, I'm not like an artist. So I'm not like super, super creative. I need like logic to happen behind the creativity. So um, as I was like thinking about these things, I was like, how could I make it mine? How could I make it like identify with me? And so um, having these initials, I just thought it would be cool. Like, okay, my first two initials are B, B B-E. And then, um, you know, my last initial is G. So like what word is positive that goes with the G? Um, I had gratitude, you know, like I went through the like dictionary in terms of what I could use, um, and be great, just stuck. So, um, it sounded weird at first, but now it's just, it's mine and it's what we run with. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, um, so as I, you know, have been running with that, um, a lot of my story made me realize that I didn't always want to be great. And frankly, there were days where I couldn't be great. And so um, I, if I'm going to create an event day that allowed women to show up as they are an event that celebrated women as they are, I needed to take the great off of it. I needed to allow them to discover or own and celebrate whatever it is that they wanted. Um, so I took the great off. I made it B, um, And so basically B is a day where you get to come and you get to celebrate who you are and you get to decide what you wanna be and celebrate that too. So a day full of high energy, motivational speakers, um, inspirational speakers, workouts, healthy food vendors, fun vendors, just like with cool goods and all kinds of stuff like that. Um, Just a day filled with all of those things that are gonna help you celebrate yourself um, and allow you to discover who it is that you wanna be.
0: Ah, I got goosebumps all over again. So tell us, too, what makes B different from other personal development or live events? Because I know you and I have both attended conferences in the past, personal development events. We're both kind of junkies in that space. So mm-hmm. what do you think makes B stand out on its own?
1: Sure. I, so again, I, I've attended a lot of events where they're geared towards entrepreneurs or events that are geared toward health and wellness. Um, but I haven't attended events where I, as a professional and a budding entrepreneur felt like I really kind of fit in. Um, and so B was one like health and wellness is super important for me. Um, but what I realized was that a workout isn't going to fix any of my problems or isn't going to help me come and decide and decipher what my dreams are. Um, and going to a motivational event I was finding myself trying to work out in the morning because if I'm going to dedicate an entire Saturday, like Saturday was my workout day, you know, being a full-time professional, you know, like I would try to get workouts in throughout the week, but Saturday was like my go-to day. So if I was going to dedicate a day to go and sit in another chair, I needed to make sure that I was going to have that space to work out. So, um, seeing as that I see health and wellness as like a triptych that includes Um, physical, emotional, and psychological, Um, I knew that I needed to have an event that was gonna address all three of those things and encompass all of that. The other reality is I'm not an entrepreneur that's super successful that has a lot of skills that I can share with people and I don't have that platform. I have a platform that's based on fitness, that's based on wellness, and that's based on positivity. And so I knew that if I was gonna create a day I needed a day that was going to address all of those things because those were the things that I knew deep down inside my heart. So
0: That's awesome too, because you played with your strengths and you did not shy away from leaning into that, even if it wasn't something that you had seen somebody else do successfully before you, which is so important. And that is completely entrepreneurial in nature even though you claim to not be an expert at it yet. But I mean, that's what people do well is you saw that hole in the market and you said, hey, I'm good at that. And I think other people will need that too. And you filled that instead of trying to be like everybody else. So I think that's awesome. I wanted to talk to you too. You shared such an inspiring story or at the last B event about how B first came to be, about how certain life events in the past few years for you have really impacted you and really have impacted your story and your calling. So would you mind sharing some of those stories with listeners? Because knowing them and knowing you, I think they're maybe really relatable circumstances to some folks listening in.
1: Yeah, I'm happy to do that. So as I've alluded to, you know, there was something in my life that happened that kind of put me on this positivity journey. And Um, So before all of this, you know, I was a fitness, a group fitness instructor. So I did that when I was in college, that was out of habit. That was from being an athlete. That was, I knew I needed to work out. I just happened to like taking classes. And so I taught them, Um, but I really didn't do anything much beyond teaching. And um, so what happened four years ago was my dad died suddenly of a heart attack. And after the grieving process, um, you know, after I kind of went through that, and for me, that grieving process was between six or seven months when I kind of really felt like the clouds had lifted. Um, And, you know, after my dad died, most a lot of people have come and, you know, shared with me that my dad had impacted their life in ways that I had no idea about while he was alive. Um, And he was the type of guy that like, you'd be walking down the black aisle and like have a sad face and my dad would see it. And he would like go out of his way to like, say hi to you, find out something about your story and like twist it or ask you something and just like make them feel like make these strangers like feel better after they left. Um, and as a 13 year old girl that mortified me, (laughs) (laughs) um, it was, you know, it's your dad doing something weird. You know, that's not what normal people do. Um, and after he died, I realized that those little moments were what he was doing to impact the world. And, um, I had many people reach out to me saying that, like, they weren't even sure if my dad knew how much he impacted them, but they didn't want him to die without like some sort of legacy. And so they felt that they needed to share that with me. And then, you know, I shared it with our, with my siblings. Um, so that just really weighed on my heart. And I realized that I have social media as a platform. I don't have the grocery store. Um, but through social media, I could start to have that same kind of impact. And so, you know, when you're in that like deep stage of grief, it's like, you'll do anything to connect with that person that you lost. And that was my way to connect with him. So um so you know what I thought I was helping others I think in reality I was helping myself heal from all of this and kind of connecting with my dad in that way um but that was the avenue that I picked so um at that time I also read a book called you're made for a god sized dream and in that book um she basically she shared that there are dreams that have been placed on your heart for a reason And Erica, your dreams are different than my dreams and your listeners dreams are different than my dreams, but they've been placed there and you are actually doing God a disservice by not chasing after those dreams. And um, so (laughs) it's been a, it's been a journey for me to have the bravery to unapologetically chase after my dreams, but I started really small. And I started with one post or with one story or, you know, with, with these small little things that were me kind of going after that. Mm -hmm. Um, So in that I found Beachbody and I became a Beachbody coach. Um, I still am. I just am not really as active. Um, And then Beachbody became my platform to reach women and share and kind of post, you know, my workouts and um, share stories and like, open up that like vulnerable side of me. Um, Because if I'm gonna dive in and try to help somebody else, I better also make sure that I'm helping myself in the process. Um, So Beachbody really kind of helped me explore all of that too. So if you fast forward two years, um, about two years later, um, I found myself having some relationship problems. Um, so the thing that I didn't say, so I was with a guy from the time I was 15, I started dating him at 15. We got married in 2014. Um, and then in 2018, um, two years after my dad had died, um, I found out actually, wait, sorry, 2017 is when I found out that, um, we were having some problems, things just like weren't right. And I didn't know how to fix them. And, you know, I actually like tried to go to counseling and stuff, but ultimately I found out that my husband of the time was not interested in going for counseling, was not interested in fixing anything and simply just wanted out of the marriage that I was fully committed to. So, um, so it was pretty tragic and shocking in my life. Um, especially considering the fact that he was the only man that I had ever been with or dated, you know, all that kind of stuff. I was with him for half my life at that time. Um, so that was really an adjustment. And for someone that is a performance oriented girl that, Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, used to put value on, you know, what other people thought of her and how she was performing and stuff like that for her to be faced with basically a failed marriage. Um, that was, that was a hard thing for me to get through. (laughs) So, um, many counseling sessions later, many journaling sessions later, all kinds of stuff. Um, I just really started to pursue this event because what I realized was that I was living a life for a man and a family, um, that I didn't even have yet. I was dedicating myself. I was working crazy hours. I was, you know, trying to have this like financial security, um, for that kind of family. And so basically like I was living to impact this one person and these future people that would come into my life when I wasn't doing that, you know, I I'm not meant to do that. I'm meant to impact a lot more people. And that started with that little inkling of a legacy that my dad started. Um, And so I really think that, you know, by God, basically removing my husband from my life, um, you know, that's kind of how I learned that lesson and that I would, I'm here to impact a lot more people than just him.
0: That's awesome. First off, thank you for sharing all of that too, because that's a lot of vulnerable stories that you just put out there. So I just want to honor that um, for a hot second before breezing on to the next thing. But would you mind sharing a little bit too of maybe what actually helped you in both in losing your dad and in losing your husband? Those are two hugely traumatic life events for you that happened in a relatively short period of time. And like you said, you were with you were with him for half of your life up to that point. So what advice would you give to listeners who might, have, might be going through something right now, might have just recently experienced something, or maybe something's kind of brewing where the unexpected happens and everything that you thought you knew about life or about yourself is challenged? What would you say to those people? Or I guess what, what maybe helped you most get through all of that? in a positive and productive way?
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So if I'm being a 1,000% honest, I would not have gotten through it without my faith and my family, first and foremost. Now, that being said, I also highly, like I recognize that there are people that don't have that kind of faith background that I do and might not have um, a supportive family like I do. So... Um, so to kind of dial it back and basically pull in, um, you know, like what I did, like kind of tactical stuff. Um, I, the, the way that I describe it is that I deposited something into my happiness piggy bank. So I'll back up a second. So for this analogy to be successful, basically like I had this piggy bank of, of a life, um, cute little pink pig, that was you know had a great job had a part-time job had a husband you know like her life was figured out and um what i felt like was that my husband basically took that piggy bank and dropped it on the floor and completely shattered it open so the first thing i needed to do was rebuild that piggy bank and so whether it was you know i had to take moments in each day to honor that to honor that rebuild and um And really, um, some of the advice that I got from my counselor was that you need to do things that are going to actually raise your endorphin levels. So there was four things that were, um, that he told me that raise your endorphin levels that was exercise, which I had in the bag, Mm -hmm. but when you're going through something that that's that traumatic, like I couldn't exercise in the way that would raise my endorphins. Like I was used to, my body couldn't handle it. Um, so the next thing was chocolate. Um, so if you're going through a hard time, know that chocolate is actually a good thing for you. Make sure it's that like darkish kind, um, <laughs> but chocolate is proven to raise your, raise your endorphins. Um, hot peppers are, um, also proven. Wow. And then the last one is orgasms. So, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> um, so those four things, um, also watching, um, I think he said like YouTube videos of babies laughing is also like something. Uh, Um, I can, I can definitely see that being one. Right. Like, so, so anyway, so those four things, um, like we're kind of ringing in the back of my mind as the advice. I will honestly say that I did not partake in all of them or, you know, all day every, you know, like those are just kind of like funny things for me to think about. Um, but as you sit there and you realize that you have to rebuild, you have to be gentle with yourself and like if you think about that piggy bank like you're not just gonna like slam it all back together all at once you need to figure out where the pieces go you need to let the glue hold it all together like it's not this process that's immediate Mm -hmm. and then eventually you're gonna feel like you've got it the piggy bank is full like you know like there's this day where you just kind of realize like oh it's kind of cleared the fog is cleared i'm i'm feeling better Um, but then it becomes your responsibility or at least mine to fill that piggy bank with something that was going to make me happy each and every day. So, um, that was the vow that I made to myself to get through it all other than the faith and the dedication that I had. And I really poured into that faith by going through devotionals and other things like that and kind of really dialing into, um, my Christian journey. But um, outside of the Christian journey, what I did was um, made sure that I deposited one thing into my happiness piggy bank every single day. So whether that was going to get myself an iced coffee in the afternoon or calling a friend and that they would make me laugh or um, having that piece of chocolate or um, going to get a massage. Like there were, you know, like there were varying levels, you know, it wasn't this self care magical Saturday where I spent all day going to get a massage and a spa treatment and whatever else. Like it was a nice coffee sometimes, <laughs> um, but that was my moment. And I just promised myself that I would do that every single day. And then the beauty of it was that I got to decide what that moment was and how I did that. And I just feel like as you put those into the piggy bank, if you deposit something every single day, there's going to be a day that blows it out again. There's going to be a day that like shatters it again, or at least like knocks it over. Maybe it might not like completely shatter it, but it knocks it over. And so maybe now half your piggy bank's gone, but because you've been putting those deposits in every single day, you're not at empty anymore. And you just have to then keep going and eventually... Go get to that point where that piggy bank stays full.
0: And that's honestly such important advice and what a fabulous metaphor for anyone in life. And I, I was just talking to a friend about this the other day, the fact that I think sometimes we all can kind of be guilty of this, of assuming that happiness will just come to us or that we'll just stumble upon it and we'll just be happy. And we forget that it really is a pursuit and it's a regular pursuit and something that we have to constantly be doing and constantly be looking for blessings and looking for ways to uplevel our own happiness because nobody else is going to be focused on that as much as we are and no one's going to do it for us. So regardless of if we've been through trauma or not, Exactly what you just said rings so true and is so important. I think that we have to constantly be looking for ways to fill our piggy bank because you're right. You just never know when it's going to tip over, when it's going to shatter, what's going to happen. So that's an awesome metaphor that everybody should really just solidify in their brains right now. <laughs> ah, thank you.
1: Yeah, uh, being a designer, I like to make things that I can actually see and visualize because mm-hmm. um, that's just always you know it was always easier for me. So.
0: Totally. Okay. So then with B, how did you do it? Because you went from never before having thrown an event to putting on this incredible day with over 50 people and speakers and sponsors. So like, what was your process both logistically, but also mentally to make it happen and make it happen at such a fabulous level?
1: Well, thank you for saying that, that I did that. (laughs) Um, but I will also say that I had practice. So while this was the first big event that you saw, I attended, like we talked about multiple events. So every time I was at an event, you know, I spent money to go to events because that was my investment in planning of this. Every time I went to an event, I made sure I met people that could potentially become contacts for the next one. Every time I went to an event, I like took notes on their on their agendas, on their layouts, on you know their intros, their all kinds of things. I was basically going there and like studying how these people were doing events. Um, secondly, I have been throwing like small events leading up to this for my full time job. So I'm in sales. So part of my job is hosting and curating creative events for interior designers to want to come to. So I, what do I, how do I do that? How do I draw them in? All of that is practice to this big event. Um, I teach workout classes. So I know how to get the energy high in the room. I know, you know, I'm a designer. I know what looks good. So, you know, all of these different things were all things that when i when i first started i had this fear that i had never done something like this before and i wasn't wrong but what i was forgetting and the thing i think that like prevented me from doing this sooner was that i was looking at that i had never done this before but when i stopped putting myself in i call it bucketed beth so (laughs) beth has three buckets um fitness professional full-time professional, and then, you know, this motivational, like, kind of thing on the side, when I stopped putting myself in these buckets, and I allowed myself to look at all of the skills that I have, I realized that I had done this before, that it just wasn't exactly like this, and all I needed to do was take all of these different things that I had done, and put it all into one, and so while, and, and it's also, like, not that it was an overnight success. I'm not like claiming that by any means, but that's the thing. Like when people say like, yeah, all you saw was the final process or the final product, you didn't see me attending a, you know, you didn't see that process. So um, thank you for saying that it was a success and thank you for (laughs) saying that was incredible. But um, it was definitely like, it wasn't by accident. It wasn't, you know, like I had practice and I did do things behind the scenes.
0: That's such an important reminder for everybody because so often we look at the final products on social media. That's what we see on our Instagram feeds. And it reminds me of the quote, don't compare your beginning to somebody else's middle. Mm -hmm. And I mean- How true is that? You're absolutely right. You've spent so much time preparing behind the scenes and mentally prepping where it wasn't, it was your first rodeo, but like it also wasn't. (laughs) So people can look at that and just assume, oh, she just got lucky or oh, she just had it made from the start. But no, you worked your ass off to make that happen and spent a lot of time and a lot of money prepping before that to make it what it was at the end. So a lot of people I think forget that and then compare that to their own journeys, forgetting that the practice time happens way before the actual marathon at the end. Well,
1: and, and the other thing too, is that like when I first started going to live events, I wasn't going to make it my own, like to do my own. So like there was practice that I did that I had to remind myself that I did. You know, like, because a lot of times, like, when these things are these callings on your heart, there are things that are naturally there that you forget about. So, yeah, like, no, I never did this event before, but yeah, I freaking I've been practicing this for two years because I've been attending live events for that long. And you know, so there's stuff that I honestly had to remind myself of um, as I went through this journey. And one of the other things that I wanted to say here is that people always say start before you're ready, and that was like ringing true for me. Um, start before you're ready, start before you're ready. And like, frankly, that's a big fat lie in my opinion, because <laughs> while I was not fully prepared, I was ready. And like, Ooh, I spent- love that. <laughs> I spent two years getting ready. And if I was never ready, I wouldn't have been able to do it. I wouldn't have been ready for all of the unknowns that I had to encounter I wouldn't have been ready to tell someone like, Oh yeah, I've had practice doing events like this. When they say, is this your first event? I had to be ready for the late nights and the long struggle that I signed up for the uncertainty of whether people were coming. I had to be ready for all of that stuff. So when people say, start before you're ready, I couldn't have started before I was ready. Like I, you, like I had to be ready for all of stuff that I encountered. Now, Does that mean that I had any idea what I was doing sometimes? No, but I was ready for being uncertain. And I was ready for not knowing what I was doing. And I was ready for those conversations, but it's because I had built up that passion inside my heart that I was ready. I wasn't prepared, but I was ready. And there's a difference, I think.
0: I think you're absolutely right. And that's everyone should like mentally highlight that because that's such an important differentiation that you just made that makes really all the difference. So, I mean, I also know so much of what inspired you to start B was feeling like you were being called to more, like what you just said, how you had this calling on your heart. So can you share with listeners more of that story, of that feeling of being led towards something bigger than yourself and also of, of following that calling with faith because a lot of us maybe feel something and you're kind of unsure, like, all right, what is this? Is this something that I should be listening to or or what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm happy
1: to share. So I go back to that book that I read and again, it's called you're made for a God sized dream. I think it's by Holly Stern or something Stern. Um, maybe we can like look it up. Um, but she talked about that the desires of your heart have been placed there for a reason, and so if if I believe that God placed those desires on my heart, then I also believe that I'm meant to do that thing, and so My Me stepping into my faith was honestly a lot of conversations with God, a lot of journaling with God that literally said, Lord, I am not prepared for this. I am not the girl that knows how to do all of this. So if this is your plan for me, then you've got to move mountains, buddy, because I am not able to do this all on my own. And so, you know, I and. And really, he did. I threw this, I put this event together in three months. You know how many people told me I needed a year? So many people told me. They're like, oh, yeah, you're going to need a year for that. Okay, cool. You're right. <laughs> I need a year. God doesn't need a year. Ooh. And God facilitated the all of these interactions with the DJ, with our phone call, with vendors, you know, with even, like, attendees and me reaching out to them. So, For me to say that, or for other people to say that I needed a year, well, they weren't wrong, but they had no idea how I was allowing God to do this big work because I couldn't do it in three months, but God sure could. And he did.
0: He absolutely did. How do you discern whether or not you're feeling something that's faith or fiction? Because I'd love to hear how your own faith has led your journey Um, and really how you let it lead your journey and maybe any tips for listeners that might have something on their heart, but they're sitting there, maybe their faith isn't at the same level that yours is at. Maybe they're kind of in the beginning of a faith journey and they're trying to figure out if something is truly a higher calling or if it's more of a self-driven sort of thing. And if they're really trying to discern which is which, what do you think they should do?
1: Well, I would ask you, why can't they be the exact same thing? Mm. So if you have something that you're being called to do that is self-driven, why couldn't that be something that you are being called to do? You know, um, and you know, why, why couldn't that be your higher calling? And, and frankly, as I sit here with someone that is kind of far along in my faith journey, it's, it is hard for me to discern if I'm going to be honest, because I think that I've sat here and and done the work, um, and had, and had the journey that all along I doubted myself. And I asked that same question, Erica, honestly, and after doing it and after following it, I realized that the doubt that I had was the self-led stuff. When I truly followed my heart and acted with faith, that was the faith stuff. So it was my head. That was the one that was kind of pulling me out of that and kind of making it be that fiction, if you will. So it was my head and other people telling me I needed a year. It was my head telling me that I've never done it before, but after going through all of that, realizing all that, um, it was faith that allowed me to do these bigger things. Um, and if I would have listened to all of the doubts and stuff from my head, uh, I feel like that would have been more of that self-driven because, um, you know, being a professional, having a secure job, you know, having all these things that are lining up, basically they're telling me that like, I don't need to do this. You know, like I don't need to take two weeks of vacation at Christmas time and the holidays to spend, you know, working for free to produce this event. I don't need to do any of that, but to step into it and to know that that's the calling um, and to also like I had to make my own sacrifices to follow that. That's not selfish at all. That's frankly not self-driven, really, if you look at it because so self, the self-driven part of me wanted to go shopping over the holidays and wanted to spend extra time with family and other stuff like that. So, um, I feel like the self-driven part, as I kind of talk through that might be more of those things that like feel good in the moment. Um, so, but I don't really know, honestly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, because I really don't, I don't see them as being something different. And I just, I don't think that if you don't have malicious intent with whatever it is that your goal is, I don't see how it can't be something that is faith driven. I don't see how it could be fiction. If you're not trying to, you know, have malicious intent or hurt someone or, you know, anything like that. um, I don't see how it could be anything other than faith driven.
0: I love that. And it actually ties really nicely into um, my conversation with Dr. Wendy O'Connor from a few episodes back because she mentioned something similar in that oftentimes our fears are what is holding us back and keeping us safe because it's just your natural instinct Mm -hmm. in terms of keeping you in what's comfortable, keeping you in what is known, what is known to be safe. So I think what you said is exactly spot on and, and completely accurate in that, your faith is what is sometimes required to get to that next step or to elevate or to step into a calling or a higher purpose or the unknown because you don't have answers. It's not known and your fear and that comfortability is not going to be what gets you to the next level. That's not going to take you to a a new area of growth. So I think what you said is just absolutely spot on.
1: Great. Thanks.
0: (laughs) So what is next for B and what is next for Beth?
1: Oh gosh, what's not next? <laughs> Just kidding. I'm coming off of having an event that I'm feeling like super confident about. So that's where I that's where you get that what's not next. <laughs> All your listeners are gonna be like, well, this girl's cocky. We're done with her. Um uh, <laughs> uh, no um but to be honest um I'm resetting a little bit because for me um doing B was something that I dreamed about for 2 years. So that that's a lot. That was a lot for me to kind of tackle and take in. Um but um honestly also like doing B I felt I've never felt more confident in myself and my abilities and so again like while I was joking with the cockiness of what's not next um it is <laughs> I am being serious. And I didn't even know that that was going to come from doing this event. But I now, I thought I believed in myself before and it's kind of like, believe it and then see it. Um, and so it's like, I believed it, but then I saw it and now I really believe it. <laughs> um, so I'm kind of taking time to figure out what this new confident version of myself is like ready to achieve and go after because, you know, I had my hopes and dreams, um, kind of before this. And now I just don't know if they're big enough, frankly. Um, if I can, if I can start to tackle something a little bit bigger, I don't know. Um, but logistically speaking, what's next for B is we are going to do it again. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm looking at fall of 2020, and this is crap. This is going to be published. This is going to be like real. So now I'm like, talk You're about putting it out there.
0: Right? <laughs> Put this on the internet,
1: <laughs> baby. I sure am. Glad oh, <laughs> I say that. No, I'm just kidding. So um, yeah, targeting fall. I don't want to let another, like, I don't want a year to go by. I, I'm too excited about it, frankly. Um, so fall 2020, another B will be coming at you. Um, bigger, better. Um, and I, I don't even know what that means yet. But, you know, I think that the first bee had, you know, some great aspects to it. I also learned from it, um, just like you do with anything for the first time. Um, I'm about to get some photos and videos back from the day. So I'm super excited to be able to share those. Um, so I'm, it's on Instagram at bee great events. So there's going to be more to come on that. And um, just really making sure that I kind of hone in on, you know, that impactful piece. So I'm starting to also kind of shy away from necessarily inspirational. I don't know if I can impact you or I don't know if I can inspire you. Um, But at the very least, my goal will be to provide some sort of impact and kind of share how the day impacted some others. So for right now, that's the goal. Um, I'll also be having some small intermediate events with, you know, maybe it's like a happy hour with just like a talk. Um, Maybe it is just a workout, you know, again, like after work or on the weekends, um, that beat based camp that we had at the end of the day, or maybe even a yoga. Um, so, you know, some smaller touch points because, you know, the community that we had there at the day was, um, so like full of life and diversity and energy and stuff like that. And I really want to be able to kind of foster that community between now and the fall. Um, so looking to do some smaller events in between.
0: Love that. I'm sure it's going to be absolutely nothing but a huge success. So I can't wait to see what unfolds.
1: (laughs) Well, thanks. I'm glad that you have faith in me because now I'm just crapping my pants over here because I just said fall 2020.
0: (laughs) Oh, I'm I'm holding you to it, girlfriend. (laughs) So I want to wrap things up Beth by asking you a question that I ask all of my guests who come on thrive. And that is what does thrive mean to you and how do you strive to thrive in your own everyday life?
1: such a good question. Um, I thrive thriving to me is, um, it's going to sound super simple, but um, taking deep breaths and just really breathing in gratitude. Um, I, as I'm sure you can tell from all these things and not that I'm different than anybody else, but I've got a lot going on and I choose to have a lot going on. I'm so thankful that I have a lot going on, but when I do big things, when I do a lot of things, when I go for a run, when I like get moments in yoga, like When I am like kind of operating at my fullest potential, there are times where I just stop and take a deep breath and just say thank you for all of the stuff that's going on. And so when I'm in the right headspace to be able to do that, um, I know that I'm thriving. So I'm not just surviving and kind of hitting, you know, checking off all the to do boxes, um, which I do. Um, There are days that I just survive but on days where i can take a moment and kind of take in whether it's even the emotions of overwhelm or stress or anything if i can take that deep breath and just breathe in gratitude that's when i know that i'm that i'm tackling stuff in a way that's thriving not just surviving
0: i love that and that's like my that's like my reminder for the afternoon to get off a call with you and to breathe in gratitude <laughs>
1: oh great I so love I'm
0: that same page. Yeah. So, where can people find you online? I know you mentioned your B Great Events Instagram hashtag, but tell us all the places where listeners can connect with you and learn more about B. So, I would
1: say that B Great Events is the main one. Um, so it's B E Great Events, um, and then my personal page is at Bethy Getty. So that's B E T H Y. G E D D Y. Um, and I'm, that's, those are my main platforms. I don't actively like go on Facebook or anything like that. Um, so I'd say that that's the best to find me, um, DM me on there. If you want to get my email or, you know, have any other, you know, more personal or questions or conversations or things like that. Um, I'm pretty accessible pretty much on there. Um, and yeah, so I've got a website that has like emails and stuff, but really just use Instagram and we'll find each other. The website is com. I'm like really consistent there.
0: <laughs> Love it. Beth, thank you so much for hopping on Thrive today. And I'm sure we'll talk soon. I can't wait to see what's next for you and B, and follow along with all of it.
1: Yes, you're so welcome. Thank you. Again, typical podcast guest. Thank you for having me. Um, but seriously, Erica, this was a blast. Um, I hope that the things that I said were valuable to your listeners, um, that they are able to walk away with something and that, you know, I don't just share my story just because I want to talk to people about it. I hope that the tough things that I went through are somehow helpful to other people. So thank you for giving me that platform. And I really do hope that everything I shared today is helpful to at least just one, you know, well,
0: it was helpful to me. So you've done your job. I'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much. Wait, before you go, if you like what you just listened to drop us five stars on iTunes Make sure you're subscribed to never miss an episode of Thrive. And if you're on Instagram, snap a screenshot and share to your story with what episode you're tuning into and tag me at Erica Laganza with what part resonated with you the most. That way I can see what's helping you and your friends can pick up a helpful tidbit too. Thanks for tuning in. It's your time to thrive.